If you ever thought it'd be great to 3D print with your kids, or if you have been and you want to take it to the next level, today's guest has literally written the book on how to 3D print with kids. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, I'm so excited, educators, that on today's episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast, we get to chat with somebody who's a real expert in 3D printing. Uh, a lot of educators know about it, and uh, we're going to get some ideas. If you're a starter or if you've already been 3D printing for a while, you can find out some ideas and tricks and tips to level up. We're going to be chatting with Kevin Reinemann. He's a teacher, coach, tech director. Now he's an author of a book about 3D printing. Uh, he's located in Ohio, and uh, welcome to the show today, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Nice snowy day for us to get together and have a nice little chat about awesome things in education. Yeah. And as always, it's great that we can connect educators that are listening at home. I've met Kevin a number of times virtually on Twitter. And, and that's how we've been able to you know, share ideas. And if you're not already on Twitter, educators or social media, where you're connecting with other educators, look for those educators that can help you become a better educator. I follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin Reinemann. And again, that's in the show notes as well. Kevin, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into education. Absolutely. My pleasure. I kind of have the stereotypical story of education. I was a high school senior. I was really developed the passion for wrestling my junior, senior year. And I'm like, all right, I want to be a wrestling coach. So what yeah. do wrestling coaches do? They're teachers. Yeah. So that started my journey, but it really wasn't until later on into the career that I really found my passion area being educational technology specifically and uh, getting into 3D printing. I went to Heidelberg University and then when I graduated, there was a position open and they asked me to come aboard. So I've been at that school, Calvary Catholic Schools in Tiffin, Ohio. Right now, I guess we're about halfway through year 14. Yeah. And uh, I've been teacher, been coach, uh, there was about eight years where I was just administrator, but now I'm back in the classroom doing a dual role there, you know, having a good time, mostly teaching sixth, seventh, eighth grade. I am teaching a college course on campus, and I also teach an educational technology course at Tiffin University. A whole bunch of stuff going on. All the I was going to say, just, just, like a, <laughs> just like a typical teacher, Kevin, you just do, you know, go in and teach and come home, right? Yeah, right. 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 No, but honestly, I mean, your story, Kevin, resonates with so many of us educators. We may have got into it for all variety of reasons, but as we keep teaching, we start to find our passions. We start to find those things that really connect with the kids that we're working with. For you, that big thing was 3D printing and, and finding those ways to help those kids really do things hands-on. And, and what, a, what an incredible STEM learning opportunity 3D printing can be. But I know a lot of educators are hesitant or worried or not sure how to get started. So. Got some basic uh, first thoughts you'd share with us, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that I hear from a lot of teachers is that they're afraid of, you know, breaking the machine or they don't know how to do the design work or it's very expensive and they'll never be approved to to buy a printer or anything like that. But just like everything, you get out what you put into it. So you can get a 3D printer for a hundred bucks. If you're looking right, you can get a small 3d printer from like mono price. I've seen them under a hundred. Um, 
if you're on a budget, I usually tell people to go with the Creality Ender 3 Pro. Uh, it's not uncommon to find that one on sale for about $199. That's, that, that's the one I got, ordered it off Amazon, put it together. It, it was, I mean, but that was my first introduction to it. And I was a little bit nervous too. Like I had mm -hmm. never done it with students. I had never done it on my own. And yeah, it's, how long did it take you to build that one? Or you um, had students do it, didn't you? Uh, I didn't have my students put it together because we were still virtual learning at that pandemic. Point. Yeah. Yeah. But I would have had my students put it together, right. but it, you know, it took 20, 30 minutes and it comes in a box and, and there's a video you can watch and you can put it together. You're not like, you know, soldering circuit boards together no, or anything no. educators. It, it's mostly just putting the pieces together, just like yeah. you put together Ikea furniture, but you know, just a little bit different. Yeah, that's the first time I put one of those together. It took me about two hours to do. And then the second one took me, like you said, about 20, 30 minutes, because after you have that experience, it's so much easier to do it. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a great little printer to get started with. It does uh, has a heated bed, so your prints come off really nicely. Mm -hmm. I'm particular to the MakerBot printers myself, mostly because I don't have to mess around with leveling the bed every couple of prints or anything like that. I just open up the software, drop my file in tweak the settings that I know need to be tweaked, like how durable does this need to be? Or am I doing it for a showpiece? Do I need to have a smaller layer height so that it looks much sharper? Mm -hmm. And then I just push print. So mm -hmm. there's the kit ones like the Creality, the Ender series, or you can go with like a Flash Forge. You can be a couple thousand into it, or you can be, like I said, under a hundred dollars to get started. Uh, yeah. But really it allows kids to make and with the whole STEM thing, that's what we're trying to do is to yeah. get them hands-on, get them identifying, seeing multiple uh, content areas all rolled into one. And for me, anything with cardboard and anything with 3D printing are two ways that you can really get into that and really see a passion in your students. Yeah. And I want to mention right now, Kevin, you've mentioned a lot of words like leveling the bed and heated bed and the layer heights and things like that. And a lot of educators are like, that's a whole different language to me, Kevin. What are, what are you saying? I don't understand any of that. Now, I had to learn some of those things as I went and anything that I came across, I wasn't sure of. I mean, I hopped on Twitter and I was asking people questions, you know, people like you, Kevin, there's so many people out there willing to help, but you took a lot of that that you've learned about 3D printing and, and you put it into a book called 3DU. That's just the yes. number three and then the letter D and then the letter U. And, and it's really just a very practical guide to 3D printing in every classroom. Yeah, the whole goal of the book was to help overcome these uh, fears of teachers of how do I do it? You know, it's not for my content area. It's not for my grade level. Yeah. And I give examples of how I've gone and I've worked with kindergartners and I've worked with um, kids in college or other teachers. And really, I like to boil it down to if somebody can play Minecraft, they can 3D print. Yeah. So really, they, there is no age barrier. Um, my son is now six. Uh, he's done his own design work when he was four or five years old. So um, you can't let the fear of, I don't know how to do CAD work <laughs> stop you from getting into it. Cause really right. it's just putting shapes together and identifying you know, what goes where and building from there. Yep. And when Kevin, you said CAD, that's another word that educators need <clears throat> to learn. You know, CAD is, I keep doing it. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Computer aided design. I mean, that's what CAD stands for. And, and most people know of as educators, Tinkercad as being just that simplest, easiest introductory version. And again, kids are so good at figuring out things like that. It's a free website. You can, you can make uh, student accounts. It's, it's really, you can have them all join a class so that you can then see all the things that they've made. Um, but, but again, your kids in your classroom are 
are striving to to create stuff. They don't want to just be consumers. They want to make stuff. They want to they want to design stuff. So if educators, if we can if we can take something like a 3D printer, that's going to give us a new opportunity to connect with those kids even better. Yeah, and there's no for me at least. I always have to be visual and have things in front of me. Um, if I'm doing math problems. I'm sitting there trying to picture in my head the numbers on a board so mm -hmm. I can work the math out there. Right. Uh, but really, if you're talking diameters, what better way than to grab a pair of calipers, which there's another one of those words I snuck in there. So that's a yeah. tool that you use to measure internal or external diameters of circles. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can type those numbers in Tinkercad to make something fit. But for me, that is the best way that we can teach, oh, this is what diameter means. And a radius is half of that. Yeah. So. Or, or, you know, just that difference of being able to visualize the fractions of a decimal uh, where you're measuring centimeters or the fractions of it if you're doing inches, which are even more complicated for students. So, and those are things they're going to have to work with their whole life. Mm -hmm. So I know in the book, Kevin, there's so many great parts of it, but one of the best parts is, is that you go through the basics, you go through the vocabulary, you go through how a 3D printer functions. And what is some of that basic, how does a 3D printer work for someone that has no idea? Well, we got to first start off and say that the, the best part of the book is actually the foreword. <laughs> oh, it's written. It was written by Chris. So oh. thank you for that. Hey, no problem. It, and, and, and honestly, the forward is just me talking about my story of trying to learn how to 3D print on my own because my kids, that's why. That's why we do things, educators. So tell us, Kevin, how does that 3D printer work? Yeah. So the biggest thing is that most printers that schools will have are going to be FDM, which is fused deposition modeling. Uh, which is a whole lot of big words with a lot of syllables, yeah. but basically okay. it uses filament, plastic string, and it goes through a tube and goes into a really hot piece of metal that melts it and puts it in the place where you want it to go. Yeah. So we'll have a spool of filament that's usually PLA, polylactic acid, or um, ABS is another, yep. or a pet G. So there's a bunch of different types of plastics. I personally just always use PLA. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it suits the needs for everything I do and you don't have to tweak settings as much right. for, for printers. That comes in a spool. You can find them for $15 all the way up to $75, depending on what type of material you want inside of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but but I usually buy the stuff that's 15, 20 bucks. It yep. lasts a long time. Uh, it yeah. comes in spools. Uh, they sell it by weight. So it's one kilogram usually is what you're finding. Yep. And honestly, most prints that you do are going to end up being in the 10 cents to a dollar range yep. worth yep. of filament. So it lasts a long time. It does. So we make a design on something like Tinkercad. We hit the export button. We're going to export it as an STL. That's just your standard file type, like a JPEG or a PDF. Uh, so nothing mm -hmm. to be intimidated about there. Yep. And then we're going to take that STL file into our slicing software. Yep. And that software is going to go and take your model and slice it into layers and output it into G-code, which is what the printer reads and understands, okay, I need to be at these points on the X, Y, and Z axis. And uh, how fast do I need to be moving? How much uh, filament should I be spitting out? How much, uh, what should my fan speed be? Yep. All those sorts of things that you don't have to think about because the computer does the work for you there. It does. Um, and then you just sit back. I mean, most prints, I don't know why, but it seems like there's an average of three hours for most of the prints <laughs> that I end up doing. Yeah. Uh, some will take 10 minutes. Some will take uh, the longest I've ever had was 
48 hours, I believe it was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Those, some of those bigger prints that those kids design, you know, and it's like, Hey, they've got a passion for this thing that they've mm -hmm. created. And, and for us as educators to say, Hey, you're taking this thing, you're taking this idea out of your head and making it tangible in front of them is, is such a powerful opportunity, a learning opportunity for the kids. One of, one of the things I do is I have the students download the file and take that file on that drive over to the, the special computer that I have that's just with the slicing software. And then I have them take that and put that into the printer. And, and all those steps help them to, again, take ownership of the process. And then it's not just me having to be responsible for it. Yeah. And <laughs> another concern that I've heard from folks is, well, we're on Chromebooks. Uh, that's mm -hmm. not powerful enough to do something like that. It absolutely is. It um, is. Tinkercad runs just fine. I, sure, it runs mm -hmm. better on our MacBooks with my high school students, but it works just fine on Chromebooks with my 6th, yeah. 7th, 8th graders, everyone I've worked with there. Uh, and I've seen people make models on iPads before. So really, mm -hmm. you could do it on your phone, too, if you really wanted. So yeah. any device is really to the point where it can do this modeling software for yeah. you or yeah. with you, I should say. <laughs> Right. And if, and if educators want more of that intro, more of that information and, and those things, uh, your book really is a great resource, Kevin. Uh, you, you've written it so that it's easy to read for educators. Anybody can understand it. It's a quick read. Um, it'll give you that background, that information of how to actually use that, that 3D printer that's in your classroom. Or if you've already gotten a printer in your classroom and it's just sitting there maybe collecting dust or your school has one, but you've used it a little bit, Kevin, how do we level up? How do we take that next step and, and do some, some even more amazing things with the 3D printer besides just, we printed out a cool thing. We printed out a cool thing. Right, That's uh, that was the next part. The next goal of writing the book was get people in and understanding that it anybody can really do this stuff. But then the next part is going to be how do we get kids to be the, the sole focus of the attention of making things here. So the entire book starts with, like you said, an introduction on how they work and everything. Then I go into talking about it to really understand how a printer works go on Thingiverse, download a couple models, mm -hmm. and just watch it print. So don't start with the design. You'll get intimidated. You might get frustrated and walk away from it. So start simple, get somebody else's design, uh, print it off, and watch what's going on. Tweak some settings as you go to see what those different settings do to the model at the end. And plus, then it gives you something to show the kids to explain with later on. One of my favorite parts of the entire book is the customization and personalization chapter, which kind of thing I went with is instead of calling them chapters, I'm calling them layers, but mm -hmm. we're building upon a foundation just like it on a 3D print. And as we go further, we, we're getting in deeper to letting go as the teacher and letting the, the students go with it. So the mm -hmm. customization and personalization, I, I like to look at it as, okay, now is the time where you let the students sit back and do the design work, whether it's something that a problem that they found in their house or around the school um, or if it's something like just putting their name on something yeah. or maybe changing it to fit a specific size for their locker or yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. Um, and then we just keep going deeper and deeper. Building empathy is another big thing. There's a whole lot of scenarios out there where we've seen how people are building prosthetics or big things with, well, we just saw the first 3D printed home that's owner occupied down in, I believe it was North Carolina over yeah. the past, uh, in the past month. Mm -hmm. So Things are growing and there's going to be opportunities for our students as well outside of the classroom with 3D printing. Right. And, and there's so many ideas of projects in that in the book. And again, Kevin shares great ideas on, on his Twitter and so many other educators are sharing stuff out there as well. Uh, follow Kevin. Again, it's in the show notes. But those projects, it's easy for us to say, 
I need to have something that actually connects to the curriculum. And this is going to keep me from doing the curriculum that I need to do. So how do we fuse those two things together so the kids are actually creating while that curriculum is happening? It all takes a little bit of creativity on the teacher's side of things. And when I was coming up with the projects that are in the book, mm -hmm. a lot of it was looking at what other people have done, just sitting back going, well, what if we look at it from this angle? Or what if we change up the content? Or, well, how can we flip this and have kids building something instead? Like your classic uh, shoebox diorama that we did back in the day, and mm -hmm. they still do those to this day. Do it in a virtual world. If you're not 3D printing it, I'll go on um, make it in virtual reality or something yeah. like that. Then it doesn't take up a bunch of space on the you know, bookshelves in the back of the classroom, right. but it gives a neat immersive experience that anyone can experience from anywhere there. So when you're looking, don't let your content area fool you. You can find a way to work it in there. Um, just like I said earlier with kindergartners, I was doing a lesson on thingy versus education portion. Mm -hmm. It was on cloud types. Um, oh. There were some that they were working with talking to the students about weather. Uh, it might've been a little bit above talking about, you know, cumulonimbus clouds with kindergartners, but they yeah. had a blast drawing their own clouds. Yeah. And then we converted them and printed them off That's so cool. that then they can turn around and take them home and show mom and dad. Yeah. And then when they take those home, then they can say, Hey, this is this kind of cloud. And, and I'm sure listening to a kindergartner try to say cumulonimbus <laughs> is probably worth it uh, just on itself. So yeah. And, and educators, once you start doing it a little bit, then you start saying, Oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do this. And the kids start saying, Hey, Mr. Woods, can we keep doing this? Hey, Mr. Reinemann, can we do this? And, and of course you're going to say no, because you know, no, I'm kidding. You want to get those kids involved right. in it. And, and you, you have no problem finding more filament to get their projects. There's going to be somebody that will step up if you, uh, if you need it. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, like, like you said, Kevin, it's about 20 bucks for a roll. That roll lasts a long time. I, mm -hmm. I started out by ordering the two colors that were kind of our school colors. And, and since then, you know, I was like, I, I'm going to get a new color. Uh, I asked the kids, what color do you think would be fun to get? And, and there, oh, now nice. they're even more, now they're even more <laughs> interested because, uh, and, and sometimes I've had to, you know, just encourage a kid to say, Hey, look on Thingiverse. Like you said, I'll link all these things in the show notes as well. And they just look for a project and, and I printed it out for them, but I had them, you know, do all the work, of course. And now they're like, now I want to discover something. I want to create something that's, that's where they've been hooked. So any other advice that, you know, you would say to someone who's thinking about doing some 3d printing, what, what would you say? You just got to jump in with it. If you if there's one in the building already, go ask the person whose room it's sitting in if you can use it or if they can give you a little tidbit of how they've used it in the past and find a yeah. way to incorporate it. Um, yeah, that's so just go on and on on so many different content areas and, and things that we can use it for. But I mean, I've seen kids that have 3D printed trumpets for music class. Uh, they're in the marching band and they just been it sounded terrible, but they did it. <laughs> and they probably understand better how a trumpet works yeah. because they know all the parts. Yeah, this you push this valve down, it changes how far the, the, the air is traveling through and maybe smaller tubes. I don't know all the uh, yeah science behind that stuff, but I bet you would learn it if you were going through and doing that and then tweaking the, the different areas of your design and going from there. Um, yep. As I look down on my desk here, I see the uh, there's a chain guard from my son's bike. Like we got him a chain, you know, took the training wheels off and everything. And then all of a sudden the chain guard broke off. Mm -hmm. and we tried to order one. We could not find one from the manufacturer. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. So they sent me one, but they sent me the wrong one. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep trying on this, but I'm just going to try and make one. 
So it had some pretty intense uh, curves and everything in it. It took about four tries, but we got it. And that's the type of stuff that our kids are going to be getting into in the next yeah. 5, 10, 15 years. They're going to have 3D printers at home. They're going to be able to do, like I said, customize and personalize and yeah. solve problems around the house. So I don't didn't want my son getting uh, you know, his foot or anything caught up in the chain or right. getting the chain oil all over the pants that never seems <laughs> to come out when you wash it. Right. Um, we that, worked that, together. We made it. Yeah. And Kevin, that really leads into the question that I love asking educators, you know, what do you, what do you feel is the future of STEM education? Um, but, but really this question is more about even what do you see as the future of STEM education and 3d printing and, and how those two connect and how they're leading to those careers in the future. Yeah. I, it, we're going to have a bunch of engineers and they're going to be household engineers. Mm-hmm. Some of them will go on to do other things, but as we keep building and working with these kids, it doesn't matter our content area that we're teaching in the classroom. I mean, mm-hmm. you've shown it in your class every day that you're not just a math teacher. You're mm-hmm. incorporating everything that you see around you. Yeah. And that's such a critical thing for us to be doing in all of our, you know, each one of us has our own little thing that we are very passionate about, yep. but go and getting those other, other little pieces to work together. I really see 3D printers continuing to drop in price, becoming more and more affordable, more and more um, safe and reliable. So we're going to see them in people's houses do it. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can imagine a lot of our students, you know, someday having that 3d printer in their home and instead of ordering something, they're going to just be able to download a file and print it out instead. I mean, there's so many oh, yeah. different ways that, that things are going to be happening <clears throat> in the future as, as 3d printers just keep changing. I've seen that with uh, like my little Amazon Alexa, the echo dot that we have, there's mounts out there that other people designed that I can now just 3D print and hang up on the wall and be done with it. Or I yeah. can order one off Amazon and have it in a couple of days. Yep. And educators, that's another, you know, simple thing. Have your kids, if you get that 3D printer, have them look around your classroom and say, what could we make to make our classroom better? Do they need some hooks for backpacks? Do they need, you know, something to hold the pencils on their desk? You know, whatever. There's so many of those kinds of things that they can do to solve real problems. And uh, one thing that I've been doing a lot this semester, every week I try to do a breakout EDU with them and Mm. as a way to entice them to be the first team to finish and solve and, you know, stick to it when you get frustrated. Mm -hmm. I took the, somebody had made the logo, the little lock with the arrow on it for Mm -hmm. breakout EDU. So I just 3D printed a bunch of them in gold. And if you're the first team to solve a breakout on breakout day, Mm -hmm. you get one of these. So it's, it's just. That's awesome. Uh, you kind of see kids bummed out when they walk up second and didn't realize they were second. <laughs> yeah. Little, those little extra rewards that, yeah. that remind kids that are, that are great. So Kevin, I love this one question. If you could have anybody from STEM past or present, come be a guest speaker in your classroom and just inspire those kids. Who would it be? Somebody like Benjamin Franklin. Yep. Um, but I'm, I'm, on, I'm leaning towards like Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know, he wasn't big on, you know, doing the electronic side and everything. He was, he was a visionary. <laughs> A mm-hmm. lot like all those other ones that came before us, like Da Vinci or Franklin or uh, Tesla. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? I'm going to say Steve Jobs, yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, so many things that our kids can learn from from thinking about those people in the past. And, and, and again, educators, that's why I love asking that question. We can learn so much from, from people's stories of the past. So, Kevin, it's been great chat with you today. Uh, again, follow Kevin on Twitter at Kevin Reineman. Uh, you can find his book, 3DU, on Amazon, uh, real affordable, and, and it's a great way to get into 3D printing or level up your 3D printing. Uh, any, any other last thoughts, Kevin, before we go? 
Hey, um, just want to give a big shout out to Chris and all the great things he does at Daily STEM. Yep. And uh, I'm also, you know, working with a great group of educators with the Wired Educator Squad. Kelly mm-hmm. Croy has, you know, started the Wired Educator many years ago. Yep. And now we're working with a, a batch of teachers to, you know, we're trying to do a bunch of fun things. So if you're available on Wednesday nights, hop in on our Twitter chat, Wired Wednesdays, and uh, connect with us and and you'll have a good time, I promise. Yep, I've been on there. It's great. There's so many great educators. And Kelly is a, a tremendous person in education. So encouraging, so uplifting. If you've never listened to the Wired Educator podcast, definitely check that out, educators. And again, there's so many great educators out there doing stuff. If we keep uh, all those ideas just just trapped in our own head or trapped in our own classroom, we're, we're missed out on so much that's out there. Uh, Kevin, as always, I uh, really appreciate all you're doing and, and keep up the great work with uh, the kids in your, your classrooms and, and the educators that you're impacting every day. Thank you so much. And again, thanks for listening to this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Remember to find all the great information about the STEM Everyday Podcast and and other resources at dailystem.com. And keep up the great work, educators. You're doing the most important work when we are finding ways to integrate STEM into our classrooms for every kid every day.